Mikey Temps, how are you doing? Very good, mate. Very good. I've had a weird day, like full of energy, where I woke up like, yo, I'm knackered because I went to sleep at like half five and I thought today's probably going to be a write-off. But somehow I've just been ignited with energy. I've got this salted caramel frostino with coffee from Costa and it's like, it's the dream. Like my niece introduced me to it and I thought, because it's cold, I was like, yo, who wants a cold drink in cold weather? Went around the park today and I was like, my hands are freezing, but it's so worth it for this thing. I've had this for maybe four hours now. And I'm trying to make it last because I don't I don't want to finish it. Is that like a Christmas like, special? I don't know. Just like I think the Frostino is the whole like cold aspect about the name. It's just salted caramel with coffee. Salted caramel with coffee. That's it, man. And it's like it's made my day. Yo, salt yeah, salted caramel. Salted caramel seems to be like the in thing, you know, like uh, ever since I've like met a few people that like salted caramel. I'm obviously noticing it more in different stuff, but like even like Ferrero Rocher, like salted caramel. It's like what? Right, we like the coffee because salted caramel is quite like it's sweet, but like not at the same time. But with like the kind of bitter like kick of the coffee, it's like a, it's, it's a taste sensation. But yeah, mate, I've had a I've had a cool day. How about you? Yeah, it's been nice. Uh, went for a walk and then. I've started dipping into not to make this the Ricky Gervais podcast, but I've started dipping into Derek now, and um, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Like from Afterlife, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Like, yeah. there was something about it where I I found Carl really funny. It's like a bit where Carl like gets a spider or something, and he's just yeah, like being yeah. him, and it's funny. He drops him over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. just him being pissed off is funny. Yeah. But I was waiting for a lot more of the funnies. And I felt like I was just... I don't think he's doing this, but this is how it felt. I felt like I was watching... As I already know, Ricky Gervais cares a lot for animals and whatever else because he tweets about it. And he's, and his comedy can be a lot about it. I felt like I was watching a show of Ricky Gervais just like virtue signaling forever. Because yeah, he's, yeah. he's essentially being like, hey, um, people with special needs have a lot of value, care about the little things. Like, all of the messages are good, but because I feel like I've seen him do that before in, in a less uh, planned out way, as in, like, through his tweets and all that kind of thing, I was like, no, I get the message. I know, like, it's not, like, I don't, I don't judge old people. Uh, I am kind to animals. Uh, I was like, what am I watching? Like, the alcoholic guy was kind of funny. Yeah where he's just always like being raunchy about the old people but like only funny like to the extent that like mrs brown's boys is funny so i was like i'm not about it i'm not about it mate are you yeah yeah i'm loving it to be fair and like so obviously <laughs> i watched that after like first and then went back and started watching Derek, and it, i just found the the uh it funny that the entire cast is pretty much the same uh, mm. which is cool and then, like the uh, what? What's the uh, guy's name? He drinks special brew now. I forget his character's name. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. he he in in Derek and him in um, Afterlife is similar. Really, they're both like weird characters, and I just find it so hilarious. Like the humor is so like just weird, and like just I think that kind of humor like hits hits with me because I'm just weird myself. So it's like I get it, but. Um, 
Yeah, yeah I get no, it. But... Haven't you got like those two urban people? It's like the urban lad in in Derek. The yeah, one the... who's a, a, a bit like like it's like he's a, a, a grime artist guy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got like the kind of girl equivalent who's like a bit like like doing like dinner lady work experience or some something for him there. Yeah, and she's yeah. yeah, like you've got their angle where it's like two utes coming in around the old people and then there's the message there of like there's something to learn and don't be judgy and all that kind of thing like they could be funny but again it ended up just being them like almost like getting converted as people so like another 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 uh like perception of looking at people yeah no i get that i didn't really look at it that way to be fair i suppose i was just looking at it like i was just finding it funny and then like the thing for me is the thing the the main thing I'm taking away from it at the minute is that the difference between the two uh is there seems to be like Derek seems more emotional but like also has the funny to sort of like balance it out whereas afterlife mm-hmm. is just sort of like emotional and depressing and emotional and depressing and there's never really that break from it so it's mm-hmm. like oh, I kind of prefer Derek in that sense it does have its like silly stupid moments yeah, he has like similar stuff. It's becoming the Ricky Gervais podcast again, but in Afterlife, <laughs> he does have his funny moments where you know when he's going to interview the people for the paper, whatever it is, that the people are going to be weird and that's going to be funny. But then he does the same thing again where he'll do like his kind of virtue signaling thing where the girl in the office who fancies that, like that actor or, or whoever it is, I can't remember who it is, maybe like Idris Elba. And he eventually makes up the little snow globe of like him in it. I can't remember who it is now. Oh, it's um, it's Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that who it is? Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's always like virtue signalers in like because he's he's I can't remember what the thing she's on about like God. That's what it is. She I think I don't know if it's like a Christmassy thing, but she's just on about like he disagrees with her a lot, doesn't he? Like she's lonely, she wants a bloke, and she's always just very like matter of fact and like like funny and just like whatever. And then he'll pick out like why like why do you like god and all this kind of thing and i'm like he's just he's just doing what his twitter is now and he he he's he, he's setting it up in this scenario where she looks stupid because of the character and he looks correct um and i don't know how i felt about stuff like that like it didn't bother me i don't actually care but to watch it didn't it felt like he was just trying to inject like his certain views in for the sake of just like looking clever in a scene but it wasn't really that funny or anything. I was just like, okay. But no, I still love Ricky Gervais and it's still cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. I, I feel like I've entirely missed the boat on all of this stuff. So like to go back and watch it, you know, I suppose retrospectively in, in comparison with everybody else, it's like quite quite cool to like catch up on all that stuff. Because I just wasn't, everybody's talk about it. All my mates just talk about it, but I was just like, I was never really into TV. Just could not, you know, be bothered to, like cifral like tv shows and stuff Mm. um i don't know what it is it's probably lockdown that's making me go towards that sort of stuff now but yeah there's nothing else to do mate like did you ever watch Mm. well i suppose you never watched the office when it first came out i didn't and i definitely couldn't relate because i was too young to relate to office culture to be like oh god yeah that's what it's like oh yeah that's cringe i just never found it funny so i went back to it after the american office and i still didn't think it was funny like we work in an office and I was like, our office isn't really like that. No, um, yeah. We don't have like this boss who's trying to be 
nice and is a bit cringy. So again, I can relate, but I can relate more to the American one where you've got just just more of the characters seem similar to like what we work around. Um, and I just, I think the things that people do in the American office to be like relatable, like in the office workspace, I can't think of, like, of an example, but just stuff they do just like, hey, here he is, Mikey, Mikey, woo. Big man, big man marketer. Just like when people walk in like that. Yeah. That's a crap example, but just more stuff that did like that was relevant to like the office that we work in. So isn't that ironic though, that the American version was more on point with British culture than the British <laughs> office? Well, what the hell? Well, mate, well, that's it, isn't it? Like, well, I think for all the people obviously when the office came out who like have lived that, it was it was relevant. But I like, and a lot of people liked it because it was cringe where I didn't necessarily cringe at like the American office. I wasn't like, oh, uncomfortable. I was like, it's funny because it's relatable. And then if it was like really that cringe, it's a lot of, like, I just feel like when I'm watching the American office. I'm yeah, never it's, like, just, it's just silly, right? It's just silly. So I like that. Type it sounds of humor, like I don't like any Ricky Gervais stuff. I do. Like, I think him in like natural settings is great. Like Golden Globe stuff. As in like naturally, like he's just sort of being him and it's working or on Twitter or when he's doing his 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 comedy, which is essentially an extension of him. I know his shows are an extension of him, but he's putting on characters there. Um, where I think he kind of literally is him in like extras. Extras is the best thing he's done to me. And that the majority of that is funny. There's not really anything depressing about it. So that's what makes me love it. And the Ricky Gervais show is just him being him, taking the piss out of Carl, so that's cool. Have you ever been to see a comedian live, like, like Ricky Gervais or anybody? No, man. I've I've seen him at like pubs every now and then. Yeah, and it's it's kind of scary because it's intimate, and you're like, "Don't pick on me, please don't pick on me," and they always do. But no, I haven't even. The closest sort of thing like that I've seen live was Darren Brown. Obviously, he's not a comedian, but it's a do a British dude on a stage. Um, that was cool. But no, a few. Yeah, I've seen a few. Like, I was always brought up on... Um, it was always a big thing in my family, like, to watch comedy DVDs together as a family. It was pretty cool. I don't know why we started doing it, but it was ace. And we started watching, like, like Bill Bailey. And, like, we, I remember we had this one... He did this one DVD of his, like, one of his tours or whatever. And we must have replayed it, like, nine, ten times, you know. And we used to just... So we started, like, watching shows like that. And then, like, eventually, like, mom and dad, like bought us tickets going to see i think the first one i saw was jasper carrot live which was hilarious and that must have been in birmingham and then we went to see bill bailey again that must have been in birmingham as well and then i've seen i think i've seen jason i've seen jason manford i'm pretty sure and i want to say i've seen uh what's the the scouser comedian uh is it John Bishop? Yeah, yeah, kind of like middle-aged. I think I've seen John Bishop as well. But, but with the, when you get into like the John Bishops and like those kind of guys, it's obviously the, the crowd is huge. And like when you're sitting like miles back or like, you know, even just sitting in that arena, it's like a huge arena. It's kind of weird. Oh, Peter Kay. I've also seen Peter Kay. Mm. And it's just weird because for me, especially like I've grown up with the DVDs, you know, the jokes off by heart. They're the same jokes 
you just seen mm. them live. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't conflicted. As if they're the same jokes, man. Yeah, like, with, with, I, I with the other ones sprinkled in. Forced, because you're there watching comedy, you're like, I almost have to laugh to get my money's worth, otherwise why am I here? So yeah. you, you, it's like, uh, you can desperate, desperately be trying to find the funny. And I do it like when a mate will show me a comedy that they love. I'm like, if I don't laugh, like my mate's probably going to feel crap right now. I've had it. Uh, Jake was showing me this dude on Netflix. Like a, uh, he's a Scottish young kind of guy. And he thought the guy's comedy was really different because what the guy was doing was he was talking about like relationships in this funny way. And he was essentially taking the piss about like, like he was talking about like divorce rates and it's a different time now compared to like when your granddad was in the war and his, his, he only, his, his wife married him just because she didn't have any rights or had nothing else going on. So what choice did she have? Like making fun about that. But Jake liked it because the guy went down this big rabbit hole of kind of talking about like the realities of relationships and he was jake was doing that thing where like as as the comedian was like talking he'd be looking at me like and yeah. i was like i already like not not that exaggerated but like subtly and i was like i already know this and the whole reason jake showed me is because he thought the comedian dude was clever with his insight and i was like i already know like you and me have spoke about this. I was like, if anything, you're highlighting like how much you haven't listened to what we spoke about before. <laughs> he's, like, he's so right, man, about relationships. I was like, what's funny about this fucking comedy right now? Yeah. Nothing really. There was a funny part where the guy's talking about like his sister. I don't know if his sister died or if he's, I think his sister had like this really bad accident and he is there taking the piss out of his own sister. So whenever he brings up like, oh yeah, my sister, when she had the horrific accident that like made her incredibly ugly or whatever it was, the crowd are going, ooh, ooh. And he's like, who are you getting offended for? He's like, it's my sister. It's like, and so stuff like that was funny where he's just basically calling out the crowd saying, you can't, whoa, whoa. So all this stuff I was on about earlier, like talking about rape and all that, that was funny. But oh, when it's my sister, ooh, everyone's offended. He's like, who are you offended for? That was clever. That's like that Pete funny. Davidson though, right? That Pete is it? Is that his name, Pete Davidson or something like that? He always talks about his dad. Who um, is it? I don't think it's Pete Davidson. Is it? It's Pete something. I think Pete Davidson is the guy who used to go out with Ariana Grande. That's it. Yeah, him. Him. Yeah, yeah. He always oh, okay. jokes about. He always jokes about his dad because he, he lost his dad in nine eleven, and he always like leads off of that, and people are like, "Ooh, you know, like." He's like, yo, it's 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 my dad. It's great, man. Like, there's something to me. The the stuff I find the funniest is always stuff that is like a little bit risky. Um, and there's like there's a truth in it when people joke about like, oh, I think it was South Park actually, where they're like, we're now allowed to joke about 9/11 because it's like 11 years later or something. They're like acting as if there's like some prophecy or like a written rule about when you can take the piss out of like sensitive subjects. It's like an 11 year like clause when you're not allowed to. And they're like, we can finally do it. And they just reel out like a load. And it's hilarious. And yeah, I think that... it should always be, the because this is a whole thing where comedians get worried about what they can and can't say now. It should always 
they're jokes and if there is an element of truth and that's just the truth it shouldn't bother you about it and so what's happened in obviously like the last maybe five or ten years everyone's got offended by everything that they've chose to get offended and that's why you have to kind of have this clause or defend yourself when you laugh at something that's like risky which you never you never used to have to do like I was watching um, I was watching the Jackass films with my niece last weekend and obviously Wee Man's in it and they're doing loads of typical like dwarf stuff and I was watching it like oh is this am I, am I like setting a bad example to Leah and I'm like I never would have thought this like however many years ago and obviously not because the dude is more than happy to be part of like the jackass gang. He's there dressing up as like an adult baby for a skit. He's doing skits where like a load of dwarves come in as like police officers and ambulance men, taking the piss out of himself. Like it's fine. So I had to remind myself that there was nothing wrong with like finding it funny. And I'm not setting a bad example to like an 11 year old. Well, yeah, weird man, the way like humor has gone. Hopefully, cause I don't watch that many comedies. I don't know if it's like coming back out of that or if it's still quite like risque to joke about certain things. You might know more because you've, you've watched more. I clearly just don't like to enjoy anything. No, it certainly seems like it's still sort of that and you have to be careful, which is a bit of a shame because like you said, I think, you know, me and you are sort of similar age where we grew up with the same sort of stuff. Like I grew up with Jackass and like, um, you know, off the back of that, like the CKY um, yeah, stuff man. and like just, outrageous do you remember um oh god there was a great show they used to play at like 11 o'clock at night oh god this is gonna annoy me now i won't be able to remember the name of this but it was a it was a british version it was like a similar you know of a similar ilk to jackass and and whatnot but they said yeah, sanchez <laughs> it might have been that you know yeah yeah Dick yeah. sanchez was way worse man yeah um but like, yeah just as it Go ahead. Like they like they did something where like they liposuctioned fat from like pan, uh, Pancho or whatever, and then they drank it, and I was like, Jackass probably wouldn't do that. That's yeah. mental. <laughs> oh, I found the name of the comedian, Daniel Sloss. All oh, right, okay. Daniel Sloss. He's like our age. I suppose he is funny. Um, but yeah, that's the dude. Yo, I, I think, think uh, also I think show... not to like. So sorry to cut you off. This is the last thing I'll say going on what you just said. You, I don't want to use like a different time or a different generation as almost like an excuse because I don't know if excuse is the right word, but you know when like you like your nan or whatever will be like racist, but she's not being racist. It's like a different time. I don't want to put it under that umbrella because the whole point is like you're watching something and there's literally nothing wrong with it, which highlights the whole issue with everyone getting offended because a, do, a, a dwarf is choosing to do this and he's laughing at himself just as the rest of them are choosing to do things and laugh at themselves. No one's really looking at it as like he's a dwarf. It's just like, what can we make funny about just the reality of like this person? And they're all doing it about themselves. It's the same thing. So there's no difference. So it's like, it's not a different age where it's like we laughed at something that there's actually an issue with. The point is there is no issue in the first place. Mm. I don't, yeah, it's weird to see how it's evolved. All I was going to say, by the way, is I remember that show. You might remember, I think it was called something like Bulls or just something like really, even the name was kind of like semi-offensive, you know, or like outrageous. Bulls of Steel. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's it. Balls of steel. Yeah. Militant black guy. Oh, it was Ace. And like do you, the host, the guy with glasses, I can't remember his name, but he, uh, on one of the episodes, it was just him in Germany seeing how many pints he could down in a minute or something like that. He down like 10 or 11 and then was just immediately sick. It's just like, it? wow. Great. It's just great TV. <laughs> great TV, man. Really good TV. Oh, mate, there's been this skit off Balls of Steel. I think it's Balls of Steel that has lasted with me for like, well, ever since it was a thing. And I may have shown you. And it's Alex Zane. Remember him when he was just like the face of TV? And it's called Alex Zane's Memory Game. It's on YouTube and it's so good. And I regularly quote it where he gets experts, like legit experts in like a certain field of knowledge on this fake like setup show as part of the Balls of Steel thing. And he has like a, a, a Eurovision Song Contest expert on there. He's got an expert on Anne Frank, an expert on um, oh, who's, the, who's the guy that writes Poirot. Uh, or, or just Poirot, maybe it's like Agatha Christie or something, and it's because it's Alex Zane's like knowledge memory game. He's quizzing these guys about how much they know, and he'll ask them questions and they'll get it right, but he'll tell them that they've got it wrong, <laughs> and they start getting like really wound up. And the guy that gets wound up, you'll have to send it to you after. And for anyone watching, just type in Alex Zane like memory game or whatever it is. And it's, it's the guy that gets the most wound up is the guy that is into all the Anne Frank stuff. So at first, he'd be like, uh, when was Anne Frank born? And he'd be like, she was born on the 1st of July, uh, 1934. And it's like, correct, yes, you've got that one. Um, and so he'll lull them in a little bit. And then he'd be like, right, what was the name of uh, Anne Frank's diary? And the guy would go, Kitty. And he'd be like, Bleh! and he's like, actually, it was Laura. He's like, oh, I'm sure you it's not, I've seen it. And he's like, well, it's, it says Laura here, so you, you might want to get your facts straight. And he's like, maybe you want to get your facts straight. He's like, well, yeah. it's Laura. So anyway, moving on. They were like, what uh, was the colour um, on Anne Frank's diary? And they were like, um, it's a sort of um, a sort of check or tartan. <clears throat> it's actually blue stripes. And he's like, what are these questions? I've seen it. And he's like, well, what did you say? It's a, a sort of check or tartan. No, no it's, it's just it's blue stripes. And he's like, well, it's kind of blue, blue, red, uh, it's kind of crisscrossing stripes. He's like, no, no, just blue stripes. And he's like, well, I don't know who's prepared these questions, but they're outrageous. And Alex Zane is just like pushing it where he's like, uh, it's like, it could be, it could be like the studio lights that are confusing you. And he's like, nothing's confusing me. I'm right, you're wrong. Get it? And he's like, well, it, you say you're an expert, mate, but you didn't even know something like the name of her diary. He's like, I'm telling you, it's Kitty. He's like, it's Laura. And he's like, I'm right, you're wrong. Got it? And he just storms off. Um, mate, that show is great. Just, just putting yeah. it simply. What did? When did it stop? Do you remember? I don't know. I didn't like religiously watch it. I think the only stuff I used to religiously watch on TV, which might sound lame, is like soaps. So yeah. I watched Corrie for a, for a hot minute, like all of all of Gail Platt's like sagas that happened. Poor girl, she she reminds me of my mom as well. I call my mom Gail, and she hates it because Gail basically looks like a kind of ant duck hybrid. <laughs> uh, I watched a lot of Hollyoaks on like E4. I even watched EastEnders for a minute. I never watched Brookside because I just can't stand Brookside. 
and I, I, I watched Emma Dale for like a bit, but Corrie was definitely the one. Michelle Keegan. And if you listen you know to Michelle what, Keegan. Who, uh, who, oh God, what's the one of the sisters in Coronation Street? Oh, what's a, was there a sisters? Was the sisters in Coronation Street? Am I thinking? Well, like fit else? sisters? Yeah. I think, are you know about the older one? All I remember is basically this sounds like a classic schoolboy tale, but when I was at school, somebody said they had the number for one of the, for this uh, girl that was in Coronation Street, okay. and I was like, "There's no way!" And so we all crowded round one night, one Friday night, with a bunch of beers and rang this number, and it was actually that person. No way! Yeah, I think there was two sisters. <laughs> and I think one of them, I think it was, um, it was uh, Kevin. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing Gail. No, no, Kevin and what's Kevin's missus called? They were always on and off, man. But they had kids. Kevin, Kevin Webster and something else Webster. But they had kids and one of them was Rosie Webster, who's called Helen Flanagan in real life. That's she, it. I think she... Yeah, I think she was yeah. on like um, I'm a celeb and all that, and I think they both had sisters, and she was the older sister. Well, you may have her number. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the story behind how he got it, but he had it, gave it to us, some or somebody he gave it to somebody who then I was like, they were like, oh, it's this number. I was like, there's no way. So I took it away, and then on the Friday night, rang it up, and I mean, I'll be you know, I'll be damned if it wasn't her. I'll be damned, Helen Flanagan. Yeah. It was Sally, Sally Ann Webster, wasn't it? Sally Webster. Oh, Sally Webster. Geez. Yeah. Mate, the best is always going to be Michelle I saw Keaton. her as well, actually, while on holiday once. Just walking, yeah. down, walking down the street, walking their dog. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's mental. I think... Oh, my God. I've just remembered something. I used to watch Neighbours religiously, like yeah. after school. I think Neighbours was on like after Blue Peter and after News Round. And... Do you remember the absolute G? Did you, Daniel, did you ever watch Neighbours? It was only ever on when it was around my grandparents. Right. So it, not like properly, but... Don't get it mixed up with, with Home and Away either. It's not that tat. There was, there was a, a very famous doctor in Neighbours. And if you're not saying his name already, you won't know him, but it's called Carl Kennedy. What a G, bit of a, bit of a, bit of a bad boy towards the later years, but what a G. And Carl Kennedy was in Top Man in the Bullring one time. And I was like, why are you here? I think I've seen, that I remember, I've seen three famous people in Top Man in the Bullring. And the stupid thing is, you and me may have spoken about this before, famous people always try and look, they try and like, it's like, like they do in the movies, they try and blend in by looking, um, well, like wearing like disguises, which is retarded because they wear like glasses, like sunglasses, or they wear like a big hat or something, or like a big coat where your common man doesn't wear that stuff. So if there's someone with sunglasses and a big coat and a big hat, that's a celeb, straight up. And this is this is what they did. So Alice Cooper came into Top Man and he had like a big coat on, big hat, glasses. And I was like, who is this penguin ass looking dude? And... <laughs> Came into came into the fitting room and I only noticed him because he like he took some. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you can't you can't wear coats in here, mate. 
<laughs> because like oh because it was like a rule like we could we could hang them up next to the thing because yeah. people might nick stuff in the coats and i was like oh mate you have to take your coat off mate to alice cooper and so he took his coat off and he's like maybe like 60 plus obviously like old american dude dyed his hair black looks like the penguin uh, guardian of the gates of hell as he says and he had the two tops he had well, I'll tell you, when I looked at these tops, the uh, the thought I had, the only thought in my head, when I had to like, because uh, I was on the fit, I was on the fitting rooms, by the way, and you have to give people the number thing for when they go in the cubicle. And the only thought I had was, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! The t-shirts he had, you know, top man. It's a lot of it's like kind of basic stuff, like not much branded stuff. And so it's rare to find like rocky t-shirts in there. And they are like the only two rock-esque t-shirts that you could find in the whole of Top Man. Probably from like the sale rail. One of them had like a fucking skeleton on it. And he, I mean, fair play, he's dedicated to his craft, but he had the he had those rock t-shirts. That's why I was like, grow up, fam. <laughs> anyway, oh, I can't can't wait your coat in here, mate. Cheers. Just the two. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah, any one of these fitting rooms will do. Cheers, mate. <sighs> Continued <clears throat> to stand there at the front of the fitting room, as you do, just looking at I was like, he's in there. He's right there. I wonder why he's here. He has no idea that I know who he is. And then he came back out, and I did, I did the usual thing of like, any good? And he was like, no. Nah. And he just like, handed me the two T-shirts, and I put them on the, the clear rail, as it's known. And I was like, no worries, mate. Um, took his coat back and just like penguined off down some fucking drain somewhere but that was mental Carl Kennedy and then Matt something who's in Busted slash Muck Busted he goes out with that DJ Emma something Busted Matt Matt Willis there we go Um, yeah him I don't think I saw anyone else famous but yeah, they all do the stupid thing. I wear sunglasses and a big coat. But then do something do something as normal as going into a change room, trying on two t-shirts and not liking how they look and giving them back. That's amazing. And it because he probably thought I'm old enough <laughs> and irrelevant enough. I'm not like crapping on Alice Cooper, but I'm just saying this this is kind of a reality of it. Where he thought probably no one's gonna recognise me, really. Even though he wore essentially a goddamn penguin cosplay costume like that guy at work and he probably just thought i can go and do my own shopping because who's really gonna know i mean top man it's for the you them um but little did you know your boy here recognized him and i was telling other people on the shop floor i was like yeah alice cooper was just here and they were like who's she <laughs> oh no <laughs> man <laughs> oh no one but yeah for your grandma's mate that's who, that's who he is gotta love it have you ever seen any celebrity in real life? Like, I know, like, you've interviewed, like, quasi-famous people, but, like, people that everyone would know. Um, I'm trying to think. That aren't, not... that aren't um, Alice Webster, not whatever her name is, Sally Webster. Sally Webster. No, um, not really, mate. Nobody sticks out. Mm. No, never seen, like, a proper, proper A-lister, you know. And to be honest, I don't think... I mean, I know everybody would say this, but I don't think I'll be that fussed. Only yeah. when... So, like... And they're not really A-listers, but I went to the Peaky Blinders when I was a reporter, right? I went to the Peaky Blinders. Um, I'm glad you said when I was a reporter, because if you went to a Peaky Blinders event, I'd, yeah. I'd have to stop being friends with you. 
Well, you know, oh, so when you went for, as a reporter and, and you went to like, you were at the door of the event, did you say, um, who, who, are you here, who are you here with? Why are you here? Did you say, I'm here by order of the Peaky Blinders? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Could have done that. Could have done. No. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I went to this red carpet event in Brougham. And yeah, as you can imagine, like it was full of those types. Everybody had dressed up in tweed. It was just very weird. Yeah. Loads, of, loads, weird. Of, loads of weird lads taking themselves way too seriously. Like, <laughs> They're like, um, look at me. I've apparently got a smart dress sense, even though I'm just copying a TV show. And if I went to buy a suit of my own accord, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, it's ugh, the whole thing. But anyway, yeah, when I went to the red carpet, all the cast, like Killian Murphy and, uh, you know, all the other people that were there, that's kind of probably the closest. But like, Was Tom Hardy there? No, he wasn't actually. Because I remember some red carpet thing at the cinema up by Five Ways in Brum. And I remember he was there. It's like on a normal, like, Thursday. It might have been for, like, a batman thing. I'm not sure. But, yeah, yeah, like, there's something about, because I used to work at the Civic when I was the stagehand. I'd see celebs all the time. And it just became normal. I, I never got, like, uh, starstruck. Because I'd literally because I'm there like helping loading their gear and they're about and I'm and I'm and I'm sat about when they're doing sound checks if they need me. I'd end up just like chatting to them around like 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 side stage. And this isn't like a flex where it's like because you're around it all day, it just becomes like normal. Like the singer, not like I really know anything about him, but like the singer of status quo. He came out like a little bit early just to like have a bit of a noodle on stage once we'd set up all this stuff. And I was just doing this final thing where because they'd laid like their own kind of like like carpet on the stage. I was like doing like a final hoover of it just to make sure it was nice for the artist. And he was just noodling about as I was just hoovering. And then he just started talking to me just like, oh, I'm jealous of your beard. Back when I had like a big-ish beard. And I was like, oh, no, no, this is nothing. It's like really patchy. And he was like, oh, it's better than what I can grow. He's like, it's like my son's. Like you and him have got a cool beard. I was like, yeah, man, it's just like a hype at the moment. I was like, you should get on it. He's like, oh, I don't, I've, I've missed the hype with, with anything these days. But I saw him, so from that little chat, I finished my work. I was like, yeah, have a good one. Um, I saw him when, when he was walking out of the dressing room to go on stage later that night. And because we'd had a little rapport, he actually had like some kind of accident where he was hobbling about when he didn't have to be like official and like a bit of a cane. So he was, he was hobbling about from the dressing room down the stairs before he took his guitar, got rid of the cane and played. And when he was hobbling about, I was like, oh, break a leg. And he was like, I already have. And just like continued walking down the stairs. And I was like, oh, oh no. That didn't go down how I thought it would. I thought he can see the joke in that, break a leg. It's lol because he's hobbling. Like, grow up, stop thinking like the status quo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, a cool moment I don't know if you'll appreciate this I'm not trying to flex I'm just you might find it cool uh, Johnny Marr was doing a set from the Smiths the guitarist from the Smiths and he's obviously got his own like solo stuff but he sound checked doing uh, When Is Now by the Smiths and I was like it was me and like two of the people just sort of like watching it as they were sound checking in the middle of the day and I was like this is pretty cool, you know. Um, and then I think I bumped into Paul Weller one time when he walked through like a door. I was like, oh, sorry, mate. So funny calling like stars, mate. 
They probably prefer uh, it though, right? They probably prefer it. Yeah. I know. I mean, like, I think if I was famous or like you know, a celebrity or whatever, you just get you get so sick of like people treating you differently and people sort of tiptoeing around you and you know, it's it would just be really weird. I'd find it weird. Yeah. Because as they say, they are normal themselves. So it's weird if anyone treats them otherwise. To them, they're not a star, so they're just acting like you and me would. I'll tell you the worst sure people I've ever right. the worst people I've ever dealt with, right? I've not been celebrities when I when I was like reporting and stuff. It was always politicians. <laughs> Believe mm. it or not. Like they have so the politicians I used to speak to on a uh, local council, you get a lot of people that were really nice, really helpful, but then you just get some some of them that had a massive ego and you're thinking, mate. You're not a local council. You're not. You're not famous. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why'd you neck him, bro? There was one that rang me back once, and I didn't even have to do the story. I was doing the story. It was around the time we had the first, like, the first uh, Brexit vote, and um, it was. So I didn't have to do this story. I was just doing it. To, there was a candidate for um, one of the parties, and I rang him up to get his side of things, and then. It didn't happen then, so he rang me back. And his first uh, thing, the first thing he said was, uh, you know, oh, you know, my time's limited, so how can I help? And I was just thinking, mate, doing you a favour. Like, <laughs> get about yeah. it. You know. Mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just the egos yeah, like, are on. Don't, don't flex on me. Egos are unchecked, is... unchecked in, in local parliament. Any man, like, like, no one cares, bro. Like, I, ha- I got a lot of cool opportunities because of that job I had. Like, I told you, I used to work, like, at festivals and that. Um, and I did get to meet, like, a lot of just musicians that I loved. I remember I was at, I was working Download Festival one year with Andy, Andy Plan. And people are just dotted about, because we had, like, access to everywhere because we were, like, crew. Um, and there'd just be, like, quiet parts of, like, the deck, because it's, like, a lot of big American bands at Download where a lot of them either just fly straight in and they play on stage and they fuck off. So the kind of backstage area, depending on the time, can be kind of quiet. Like we went into like the artist kind of tent. Not much was happening. There was like a few, a few sort of like British bands, artists in there because they're from here and they were just early and they were just sat about having coffee and whatever else. And then like I went for like a wee just in the toilets that are in that whole sort of area. And then like our favourite Corey Taylor walks in next to me and just like has a wee. And I was, I was just in my head, I was just like, do you serve a purpose or purposely serve? I was like, <laughs> just, just thinking that horrible stone sour skin oh, thing. Um, See what's happening. And um, I was like, oh, you're right, dude. Yeah, yeah. Walked out and I was like, this might be really awkward, mate, because we've just had like a piss together. But um, I obviously know who you are. Um, how are you? I'm happy you're in. Nice to meet you, essentially. And he's just like, yeah, man, I'm good. And I had a chat. Me and Andy had a chat with him and some mate that he was with, that Corey was with. And then just got like a little photo. And I was like, yeah, cool, man. And then next to Corey Taylor was like the singer from A Day to Remember, Jeremy something, Jeremy McKinnon or something. Um, And I like A Day to Remember, but I wasn't as buzzing about it as like Andy was. And Andy was like talking to that guy and, you know, there's something about Corey Taylor because he's been on the circuit for a bit and he's very, he's very much like accustomed to the UK where even though he's like like insufferable at times, 
he's still like you can have a normal conversation with him because he's almost surpassed rock starness because he's do you know what I'm saying? He's used to it. Whereas Jeremy McKinnon dude was just like, I'm an American pop punk singer, bro. So Andy was talking to him. Andy got a photo with him. And because I was about it, he was just like, oh, bro, you want one? I was like, no, I'm right. <laughs> it's like, just, just, no, thanks, mate. I don't want a photo with you. But cheer, cheers for asking me. That was long. And I've got no evidence of any of these photos. The coolest one was, um, uh, the, the drummer from Pantera and Vinnie Paul. And I just deleted him in like my kind of spree of like minimalism and like just like culling photos when you do like photo libraries. And I've just got no evidence of any of it, which uh, which is retarded. But yeah, even then, it's so weird to have interactions with people like that. Like, you know who they are, but they don't know who you are. And you don't want to just be like, and it's almost hard to avoid. So like Vinnie Paul, I was just like, oh, you're right, man, man. Uh, oh, did you have a good gig? It's stuff people ask me, like in a band. And I just remember he just went, loved it. And I was like, oh, oh, good. Oh, can I have a photo? Because like, I was having a bit of a moment then with him. But you don't want to be the guy that goes, how was your gig? Or just asks them that thing. Oh, Thomas Shelby, how was, oh, did you enjoy, did you enjoy Peaky Blinders? Uh, they don't know you. You can't be like, Oh mate, how's your message? You get on all right. <laughs> yeah, it would. It wouldn't uh, actually happen. It's no. literally like going up to a stranger in the street and be like, "All right, mate, how's your day been?" Yeah, it was weird on the red carpet asking them questions because it's like I had to get the the canned responses, you know. Uh, so yeah. it was just like, "Oh yeah, they recorded at the Black Country Museum." So it was like, "How is how is it recording at the Black Country Museum?" You know, how Crap. how. And then, like, half of them didn't really understand where the Black Country Museum was, despite having filmed there. So they were like, yeah, yeah, Birmingham's great. I'm like, oh, no. Terrible. Is Birmingham even the Black Country? It's not, is it? No. So it's in Dudley, right? The Black Country Museum. Yeah. I've been, I've been there, but I, I can't really remember. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, ooh. Yeah, the difference really top, matters top to people. Top headline. Yeah. Cillian Murphy thinks that Birmingham is in the Black Country shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Headline news, the, the cool thing about that is they put my little head next to my story and like they were like special report by luke bartlett and it's just me in a little flat cap hilarious special report mate no 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 fair play no 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 yeah man that is it's it's cool celeb like this is this is running joke that goes on with like bands which is actually quite funny where every band so like when so like when you finish your set um, the band that's coming on after you because you're doing all these changeovers of like gear you're trying to get off as they're trying to get on because you've got like five minutes to do a changeover before the next band starts they do all the like you've literally never met them they're just on a bill with you and they've come from like I don't know the base in Stoke and you haven't said a word to them because you're like what's the point I'm not going to see them again after today you sit in like different parts of like the venue but this thing happens, which is funny. When you're changing over, to be polite, everyone always says the sentence, oh, mate, great set. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's coming. And all you can do is, be like, oh, cheers, man. And then when they finish and you need to, I don't know, you're all like loading out at the end of the gig. Oh, mate, great set. Oh, no. Oh, I'll you went there, mate. They're like, oh, mate, 
great set and you just know it's coming and then if you if you genuinely like the band or you get on with the guys the next thing that comes is oh mate we should do more shows together so you know that's coming a standard where i literally just don't i don't say anything now and if someone says great set i just go cool <laughs> cool because <laughs> it's so, so awkward and you can't you can't avoid it it's 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 the best when you're like on on tour with a band and you're like four shows in and you all know you like each other and you you appreciate each other's sets where you can get to a point where you can start taking the piss out of people which is way better um or you just don't have to say it at that point because you're four shows in of like a 10 day tour or whatever it is and it gets okay but yeah just standard responses from things like i was just watching um love on the spectrum it's like an undateables kind of thing and granted they're on the spectrum that's the name of the show you got michael from bloody perth and he's just going what how, how old are you and it's like i'm 24 is the response but on the spectrum or not what other answer can you get out of someone asking that on a on a date you're having a date in nando's oh how old are you uh 27 oh nice like yeah. what else can what else can you say to that? What else can they say? It's not like they were just like, oh, I was, I was 23 yesterday, but I'm, I just chose to be 27 today. Whoa, nice. Cool. Um, oh, what's what's your eye colour? Oh, let me see. Oh, oh, wow. Brown or is it blue? Oh no, it's it's blue. It's blue. This is this is the power of quality questions, mate. Because you need an answer that's gonna like go somewhere. So um for you i'd say who do you look up to this is a question for me this is a question for you bro oh wow okay who do i look up to um probably my dad i know that's probably a generic response that you get from a lot of people yeah i, I don't know man that's good a generic response is like oh uh gandhi oh uh steve jobs you said oh. your dad is way cooler yeah, I don't know those people though, do I? Do you know what I mean? So it's like, how can I really? I don't know anything about them. Inspiration, bro. Why are your dad then? He's a grafter, man. Proper mm. grafter. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Andy has. He has the um, the constitution to like burn incriminating evidence as well, which takes a lot, man. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. when it, uh, all all bodies, whatever it is, whatever thing he does for the mafia, it's like it takes a lot. Like I couldn't do that. So many, I've, it's like an alarming amount of people now have said, "Oh, he's he looks like he looks like he's in the mob, man. He looks like he's in the mafia." <laughs> I'm like, I yeah. can't unsee it. So, and I can't, I can neither confirm nor deny it. Exactly. Which is good, really. To be fair, if you can't tell if someone's in the mafia. They probably are because they're doing a good job because they don't want you to know they're in the mafia. Like, do you think I'm in the mafia? What, you yourself? Yeah. I would never know. Pretty good sign that I'm in the mafia, mate. I'd say so. I can tell you now, I am. <laughs> but I like that. So, like, yeah, you respect, like, his he, like his work ethic or he's just, he's, not just work, like, ethic in life where he just... He, he gets stuff done. Yeah, oh yeah, he gets stuff done all right. Way more than me because I've got a tendency, bad, I suppose if you call it a bad habit or whatever it is, it's just who I am. I just sort of sit on stuff 
Canty on stuff for a while. Where he is like more methodical. He's like, right, this has to be done, so I'll do it. And this has to be done, so I'll do that. And then like just goes through it. So I bet he's had to tolerate some like tough times as well. Like, especially when like uh, I bet he, he's had some some Barry Manor low points in his life. <laughs> uh, oh man. <laughs> that he's my had mom, to tolerate. My mom will appreciate that pun. <laughs> does your dad buzz off Barry Manilow as well? Or is he just, does he just get into it for not. your mom? Absolutely no. not, no. Because haven't they done like cruises and or, or whatever, or like events with Barry Manilow and he goes along with it? Been all over the world to see him, yeah. Damn. Crazy. Yeah, that is that is very admirable. What about you um, anyway? You're not getting off this one lightly. Who do you look up to? Well, very few people, mate, because I'm, I'm like over six foot, so not many. But... Um, but um, Look up to, I'm not sure. I can take, I usually really like people that when I hear a lot of information off them, it, it genuinely helps move the needle in my life because those people then excite me where I'm just like, I love your knowledge and your insight and the way you think. Uh, look up to, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be them. I don't go to them for knowledge all the time, almost like a guru. But um, uh, I I really love that Naval Ravikant dude. Yeah, yeah. I really like him. I like I like how he thinks. I like how he communicates. Um, I like his vast array of knowledge. Uh, I'm starting to love that dude. That I I'm, I'm a bit late on the on the wagon of appreciation on him. But that dude I sent you the other day, that Yuval Noah Harari, that, yeah, yeah. Um, wrote Sapiens and Homo. Deus and now 21 lessons for the 21st century. I might as well plug in. Where's my sponsorship? But the reason I'm getting into him is because I love people that clarify topics and subjects and ultimately ways of thinking. And this is very niche to me, is what I'm saying. When, when the student's ready, the teacher arrives again. Because I read Sapiens or whatever and watched videos of Yuval Harari years ago when it came out but I wasn't there um there is like an expression behind that where it's like it's something like oh like knowledge doesn't mean anything like if you're not if you're not there for it and it's so it's so true but the, you know, the reason I like him is because he's similar to Naval in that sense where he can talk about components of very broad concepts so like a very broad concept is like the history of mankind that's quite broad <laughs> But he can talk about components of that broad concept. He can break them down in a continuously simple way, where he's like, "This is human. Uh, this is this is the history of humankind in a brief synopsis. This is where we began. This is a big revolution that happened cognitively. This is another another revolution that happened agriculturally. This is another one that happened industrially. Now we're here. This is why each of those things happened." Um, and this is why you're living in the world that you're living in today. So big, broad concepts covering macro concepts within the broad concept. And then he can also go into the micro concepts within each concept, because the whole reason I like to understand the macro is to eventually get down to the micro, which is what you and me kind of consistently talk about. We're talking about the micro concept of a lot of mindset things. That's a very niche set uh, of like, the concept of just understanding reality 
you know, we don't really talk about like how people got here or the economics of this thing or why a revolution happened here, the history of it. We talk about, so what's the end result? And it's this kind of micro topic almost of like mindset. Okay, so once you understand all that, who are you then? Where do you go from there once you understand this and once you understand that and ultimately understand yourself? We talk about that a lot. And he can also do that in a much more comprehensive way, I think, than I. So I like that he can cover the macro concept and the micro. And I think I posted that thing the other day or the thing I sent you where he's, he was there saying a lot of what people think is um, objective free will. Like, hey, I'm just making this decision because it's who I am. Um, I'll follow my heart, all these expressions where there is weight to them. Um, it's almost like what you and me talk about with like game one and game two, where you can follow your heart in game one, but following your heart in game one concept is a lot of, you're actually doing what you're kind of conditioned to think by society or this political agenda, um, or it could be like a religious belief. That's why you think it. That's a game one thing. You know, I follow my heart, but it's like you're not. You're actually just following the conditions. Where the game two is right. Follow your heart now, but that expression means something completely different. Now you're playing game two, right? It's you literally are following who you are because you've stripped away the conditioning, and the way you strip away the conditioning is understanding the macro. So not like to any like considerable depth, just understanding the macro concepts of like, this is people, this is why this massive shift happened. This is why the other one happened. This is why we're at where we're at today. What do you do with that information? Whatever you want. Because essentially when you've got that information, you start figuring out like who you actually are and, and what the conditioning is. And then um, it helps me because it, it adds a lot more clarity. So the very long winded answer, mate, is I look up to those people because of all the reasons I've just said, and that's kind of my whole plight at the moment, getting clarity, finding truths, understanding why you do what you do and where those feelings come from. So you can just make probably more aligned decisions going forward for yourself and ultimately being happy. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I don't really care about like big kind of business moguls. Um, I don't find anything particularly impressive with like business or anything like that. So I'll, I'll never say a person like that. I'll never say like a kind of spiritual teacher, like a Buddha or whatever. Um, it's a very, it's a very niche thing, isn't it? I suppose that's why it's a, a good question. Yeah, I find it all really interesting. I really want to, um, in the next episode of GTP, uh, do a deep dive <laughs> on the whole, <laughs> do a deep dive on the whole game one, game two thing, because I think there's so much more we can get into this, uh, and especially like obviously uh, your new Instagram bio, man. I really love that um you know the truth and then everything else after that um yeah that sums me up it's like before that i very recently for like three days i put serious serious online anything but offline because i think people can get like the kind of wrong impression on me where they think i'm just this oh no 10 percent, 10 percent battery the alert came up so we'll cut, we'll, cut, we'll cut this ramble short. But I put, yeah, serious online, anything but offline, because I was like, I don't, people, I don't want people to actually get the wrong impression of me where they think I'm just a serious dude just delving into all these ideas all the time. What is helpful to understand is that I'm looking for the truth first on a personal level. This isn't what I'm always doing. 
And I'm not like, when someone talks to me, I'm looking for the truth of why they said a thing. I'm still a fun dude, just might not get that impression offline. But the whole reason it looks this way is because I am look, personally looking for like the truth first. And then going from there makes everything so much easier. And then the rest. Yeah. So that's why, um, yeah, that's why it says that. And that's why we end up going on about game one, game two. So we can get into that. Sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good for the next set, mate. Well, thanks as always for coming on and sharing your views, my bro. And uh, I will catch you in the next one. Yeah, man. We'll be on the next one. Catch you in a bizzle. Peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.